I felt like a different person. I put music on, I danced, I put color on my painting. I didn't care if it looked good or not. And that was the power of the different kind of process. Hello and welcome everybody. This is episode 129 of Art Juice, honest, generous and humorous conversations that will feed your creative soul and get you thinking with me, Alice Sheridan. And me, Louise Fletcher. We're going to be digging into some juicy art stuff, work in progress, what your system is, how your process works. We just thought we'd have an arty chat about where we are rather than anything marketing or mindset based. Let's see where it goes. First of all, though, so Louise, tell me what you've been working on this week. Well, I've actually been doing a lot of painting. So hence this week's topic. So I'll save that to talk about. Um, But I have been fitting in quite a lot of painting, which is nice. But I've also had a lot of book promotion going on. Uh, So this is brand new for me, trying to promote something other than paintings or a course really interesting what we're doing is the book doesn't come out till October but we're doing one month in July where people can order a signed copy and the idea behind that really is to get an idea of demand but also this book is a hybrid book so I'm publishing it and the publisher is publishing it so I've got my own copies that I'm selling and that's the signed copies And obviously, I can make more of a profit on that than I can on the books the publisher sells. So the publisher is a regular publishing deal where I earn a royalty and they do the sales and marketing. And what's been interesting is because of the pandemic slash Brexit, shipping is ridiculous. I think it's more pandemic than Brexit, but you can never separate the two when you live in Britain, can you? So because they happened at the same time, we have no idea what's causing what. But I think it's pandemic really more. And the privatisation of our post office, which has put our postal rates up massively. So getting shipping out to anywhere other than England Mm. is a nightmare in terms of cost. So if people want to order it from me and get a signed copy, the shipping costs are very expensive. Yeah. And some people are suggesting all kinds of ways around that, which are just not feasible for me time-wise, you know, possible probably, like finding a partner in America to ship books out. But then that's an awful lot of coordination and management, which it's just me and I can't do. But also then you're into kind of freight shipping and... Yeah, and it's it's mm. not my thing. So, So I'm working with the publisher for them to sell their copies and for them to get the international distribution but they're a small publisher and I didn't realize that selling internationally on Amazon is almost impossible for a publisher to make any kind of profit. Mm. So we're looking at the moment, we've just been having this rigmarole. They've been very good about researching all of the options. I mean, people could come on amazon.co.uk and buy it, but they'd be paying the same kind Mm -hmm. of shipping rates as we're talking about now. So uh, we're looking at various options, including there's something called Book Depository, Mm -hmm. um, which sells books with free shipping around the world. Not quite sure how it works. I'm still trying to understand. But we're going to try and find a way that people can buy it in other countries without having to pay these extortionate shipping rates. Um, 
and also there will be an ebook. We've just we've just I've just worked that out. So there will be an ebook coming out before the actual book comes out. So you could buy it on Kindle or iPad for a little bit less than the physical copy, and you wouldn't have obviously have any shipping. So it's all fun and games working all this stuff out. Apparently, this Amazon International thing is a nightmare for all publishers because everyone now thinks of Amazon as the place to go to buy a book. And uh, Amazon knows that. So they have the rates which make things really difficult. So if you're a big publisher, you've got the clout to do all this stuff. But if you're a smaller publisher, I gather it's much harder. So anyway, in progress, but that's been lots of Zoom meetings and, you know, uh, emails back and forth and just trying to work out an answer. Fun and games. Yeah. Fun and games of trying to do anything that's uh, a little bit beyond just you happily painting in your bedroom. Yes, exactly. (laughs) You know, if life could go back to just being super simple. But I I think it's a really interesting point because it's come up in some conversations this week. And like, I know, like nobody wants to spend their time doing this stuff. Or maybe there's some weirdos out there who like doing this, but like nobody wants to spend their time doing this stuff. And yet it's necessary. Like sometimes... You know, we have to do all of these things and deal with this. That's that's part and parcel of what comes with it, isn't it? Just think you'll yeah. be, you might be a mini expert on it all by the time. I know I might be able to help other people. I mean, uh. the thing is, I wouldn't want to go back. If someone said, well, you could get rid of all these headaches and not publish a book. Exactly. I wouldn't want to do that. So no. it's part of it. But you just have to remind yourself that this is all part of it. And once I've learned this, I'll know it for yeah. next time. Yeah. So, yeah, not that I'm saying there'll be a next time, but you never know. <laughs> it very definitely comes under the category of if I knew at the time I said yes to something quite what it would entail, would I bother? And I was just listening and I was walking. I don't know who it is, a podcast with somebody who runs a, a big business, I think a shoe business in the US. And um, and he just said he said, I, 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 I couldn't start again now. I wouldn't. I couldn't, I wouldn't have the energy if I think of everything that I've had to kind of overcome and work through. He said, I, I just couldn't do it again now because when I started, I was, you know, I had either I had energy, but more, I was a little bit naive. I didn't know. And you just dive in. He said there was an open window and I jumped through it and it's been yeah. fantastic. But would I, would I be able to say yes again now? No. And I just thought that is so true you know but what's the alternative the alternative is to keep saying no to things so yeah I've got to keep saying yes so good well done keep on what have you been doing um I feel a little bit kind of re-plugged in actually I feel like someone's just sort of you know I was thinking about how to say this I don't want to say giving me electric shock therapy or but that's (laughs) sort of what it feels like and I was trying to work out why so it's it's a number of things so um at the end of last week we didn't talk last week but I was away for two nights with some business friends and we kind we had a working day but you know really it was just going away we had two fantastic evenings I've not laughed so much it was just wonderful and these are people that I've I have met them in before in real life but we didn't know each other as well then um and just that whole sense I've spoken about this before being somewhere different in a different environment it it just kind of switched things and it was just it was just lovely um we then had a family trip uh to the cinema to see the Lin-Manuel Miranda film In the Heights 
Now, he's the guy who did Hamilton, which we haven't seen because tickets were impossible to get hold of and then blah, 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 pandemic. Now, I didn't realise that In the Heights was a stage musical before it was a film, but it's set in... uh, it's set in the kind of Latin American section of New York and it's just this incredible visual dance music, incredible cinematography. It's just, so I just, I saw it and I thought, oh, that will be a feel good film. And it was just fantastic. It was, and I think what was good about it, I remember when um, the pandemic first came and everything shut down and I remember having a conversation with my daughter and saying, gosh, can you imagine if things like cinemas never come back? And it becomes one of those things that nobody you like, oh, do you remember going to the cinema and you actually went out of your house and sat next to people you didn't know? And well, actually, I haven't done that for about 20 years. Oh, I love cinema. it. <laughs> I just I just love it. And, uh, you know, when uh, video players came in and CD and Amazon and, and not Amazon, Netflix, and everyone said, oh, people won't go to the cinema anymore. There's nothing that can beat going to the cinema to see a film. Nothing. People crunching the their suites behind you, people talking. <gasps> Huge, people great big screens, fantastic sound, colour, being a totally mm. transported to a different space. It totally sums us up, doesn't it? Going oh. to see a film with other people versus sitting on your own watching it, it totally sums us up. Anyway, it's carry on. It's good. Experience. It was really good. So it was, it was really lovely to go. And yeah, we did have to kind of register and give a phone number of every person in your party and blah, 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 blah. But more space around the seat. So there you go. You'd be happy now. You can go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Nobody smelly sitting next to you. No, no. So um, it, it was fantastic. So um, I highly recommend it. And, you know, lots of little things in those kind of films that you think about afterwards. And actually, one of the things that we were just saying, there was a little quote from it, which says, a dream isn't some sparkly diamond. There's no shortcuts. And, you know, those sort of ideas. And, yeah, they're a little bit cliched, but it was nice to have them wrapped up in something that was really, really good fun. Um, he must be a very talented guy because he I haven't seen Hamilton either. Any, but I mean amazing phenomenon he must be an extremely talented person for really me. yeah really incredible and actually I was looking because I was just going to put the link to the trailer in the show notes to watch on YouTube and I watched that and I was like oh it was really good it was really good and then it went on to a video that was about how he basically changed musical history in the first three minutes of the stage production and it's bringing in all these different references to Bernstein films and musicals and how you take different threads of music and weave it together and I thought actually this is a lot what we do with art and when I was watching this film I thought I wonder if there are issues here with kind of cultural appropriation and stealing things and using stereotypes and oversimplifying but actually in a way that's often what we have to do with art isn't it we're taking from different visual sources and history and personal reference and weaving them together in a way that creates something new so yeah if you go on YouTube I I would have a look at have a look I mean I'm not a musical person but you know just hearing the beats and how he picks it up and threads it through and mixes all this different music of merengue and hip-hop and something that I'd never even heard of but you know it when you hear it and I think that's the thing you know it when you hear it and with art you know it when you see it and we're all just it's all this great big melting pot and then how we pull the threads out so fantastic really enjoyed it and I also went yesterday to see an artist who's in my membership and I love her work I have loved her work for um, a long time her name is Sarah Brinelinger um, 
and uh, I'll put a link as well to her website in the show notes. And I went with the intention of buying a piece of work because I just, but I wanted to say, I've looked, oh, I've done that thing where you kind of website, um, what's it called? Stalk. And kind of haven't sort of bought anything. And I thought, oh, when I saw she was doing this, I thought, right, I'll go along in person. Um, <clears throat> just kind of fell in love with the biggest painting there. So <laughs> bought that then. <laughs> but I'm really excited. It's lovely to be on the other end of it because I haven't bought a big, big painting for um, quite a while. And I'm <clears throat> really excited about getting it home. That's excellent. Yeah, it's lovely. So that's my busy week. Right. So last week's conversation, which was lovely for me to listen to, was you were having a discussion with David Mankin, Cornish artist. So if you haven't listened yet, I would go hop back one, listen to episode 128. It was a really interesting conversation, I think, around um, process, how important it is for him. And we've said before, Sometimes we just touch on what we're doing in the studio with those what are you working on this week session, but we haven't actually spoken about what we're doing in our art for quite a long time. So we thought that's what we would talk about this week. We're at different stages. So you're at a stage where obviously you've just you you finished the Ted Hughes series. Mm-hmm. You did that smaller, smaller series of small paintings which was a much shorter time period wasn't it yes it was just a couple of months as opposed to two years yeah two years (laughs) years I'm not sure I don't don't think I have the patience or the attention span for two years but but who knows so what what are you working on now because do you find that in between you get a sort of fallow period that leads you in new directions how do you manage that normally yeah my fallow period this time coincided with promoting the run-up to promotion for my course so I always do subtle promotion for a few months where I'm just doing free things and I'm everywhere on social media and it coincided with that so I didn't suffer through it so much because I was too busy to suffer but but I did feel like god I wonder what I'll do next like I can't just repeat what I've just done and I don't have any ideas and I wonder what I'll do next And so that I did have that in the back of my mind. And then once the course was up and running, that always gives me it's very I'm very busy answering people's questions and teaching, et cetera. But there is more time during the day once it's up and running. So I got to go back to painting. And so then I thought I had all these panels that I bought because of Brexit pandemic panic. I bought lots of panels and I had them all here. I thought I'm just going to start and see what happens. And very, very quickly, something all started to, an idea started to coalesce and come into, you know, now I know what I'm doing. I'm fully chasing something. So anyway, that's the stage I'm at. It's really, it's kind of beginning stage, but I'd say now I'm moving into more middle stage because I've got a definite idea. And now I'm going to start some more panels. I've got about six on the go. So I'd like to have about 12 or 15 on the go and just see then at the moment they're all kind of moving in the same direction and there's a point where I'll want to separate the like one they'll want to go in their own directions so yeah you just said so you've got a definite idea so what's the definite idea that's driving this so this is so what happened was to explain the definite idea I thought just to get started because I have no idea I'm really going to just go for it 
I'm going to do a demo. It was meant I'll demo how to get started with no intention. I'll demo how to have fun and play and just go for it on some panels. So I made this little video and I absolutely loved everything that happened on the panels. It was just black and white. And I loved the marks I was making and I loved the urgency of it and the emotion of it. And I I always cover that up and that always becomes a, a layer that only peeps through. And this time, I think I've mentioned this before, I thought, no, that's what I really want in my work. That's I want that urgency and power and energy. I don't want the the calming down that I do in later layers. Mm. But I also know that's not enough because it was a gesso panel. So you could still see the gesso. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't even mind that in some places, but it was too much nothing. So I, w- I started playing with how can I build this up? So there's lots of texture and history, but still keep all that energy and looseness. So I don't lose any of that, which has meant being really brave, you know, being really brave about covering up those initial energetic marks sometimes because I needed the history, but then having to do it with just as much energy and just as much looseness and just as much, I don't care what happens, which is really hard when you've got something that looks good. And so I was playing with that on some and on others, when I'm beginning, I'm playing at the moment, they are trying the idea of layering some collage and some light colors as a background and sanding and then layering and then sanding to give myself a really interesting surface to then make some very immediate big marks on and see if I can leave that, like see if that can be enough but it would depend how good the marks I make are. And sometimes Mm. it'll be a disaster and then it'll need. So, but it's that feel. I want the paintings to feel. I've always wanted this, but even more now, I want them to, to, to have all of me in them, all of me that I don't get out. I want in there. And um, there's nothing careful about the paint application but there's a lot of careful thinking. So I'm doing more thinking and stepping back because before I make that big mark, I have to really think, where do I want it to be? Yeah. I know I want, I know I've got a paintbrush loaded with deep green paint that's going to drip, but exactly where do I want the drips to be? And then I'm going to have to go at it with force. So I need some time to step back. So it's very, the painting part of it is, very fast and the but there's more thinking than I've been doing if that makes sense and I'm loving it I'm loving the results I'm so excited with all of them I'm, I'm at that you know when you walk in and you go oh I made those yeah. I'm like I really like those I would go in a gallery if I passed a gallery and I saw those I would go in yeah and, and that's the stage where I always say to the students in my course then you really don't care if someone else doesn't like it, if everyone in the world didn't like it, I'd be sad. But I know that's not going to be the case. I know there are people who will like it too. But if a specific person doesn't like it, I really don't care because I do. Yeah. When I care is when I'm a bit iffy. Then I then I care if someone else says something negative. Well, it's easy to be led and distracted at that point, isn't it? Because as you say, you're at a point with it where either you're thought about it or there's something about it that's a little bit more vulnerable and isn't settling 
quite properly and that that's the point where it's easy to be to be knocked off and why I think it's really important to have these moments where we do actually take time to stop and think in our work what is it that you're driving towards because actually without having that as a kind of anchor that helps lead you towards making those decisions you know there are so many decisions that are made uh, every, every point in a painting, thousands of decisions that are made. So without doing some of those more consciously, you're just in kind of random la-la land. You know, how do you even know when you've got something you want if you you don't have a clear idea of what it is towards you're working for? And yeah, there's a space to, you know, in, in some approaches to painting, there's a space to um, set up those situations where something unexpected happens. But even within that, you want to be looking for something you want to yeah I think yeah. that's what I what I found in my process is and I talked about this with the patternicity series I found that if I just do follow my intuition just like in life if I follow my intuition it's right I just don't know why until some point during the process whereas I know yeah. some with Ted Hughes I started with the concept that's different but now this is like I started and instantly I saw what I wanted and now I'm pursuing that sometimes I don't see what I want until with with that last series until about a month in I was enjoying what I was doing but I couldn't see what it was about and then it dawned on me as I went on so for my process but I don't I don't like teach that everyone should do this when I do my class but for me the concept or the the reason why I'm doing it comes from the doing in rather than coming from the idea other than my Ted Hughes, which was a different approach. And maybe I'll do that again. But at the moment it's like, Oh, that's what I want to do. I get it now. So let me have a go at that. And I get what it means to me. Um, Like these seem to be more landscape based again, which is interesting because my last ones weren't. Yeah. But I'm just going to go with that. OK, I want to, you know, OK, I seem to want to paint the landscape. And I think that's very ha- I didn't used to be that way. I'm interested what you what you think of this, but I didn't used to be that way. I used to ha- think about it all. Like I used to think there's no point painting if you don't have an idea. So I have to know what the idea is and then execute that. Now I trust that the idea will come and that I'll be able to follow it wherever it leads I think the idea resolves I think for me the idea clarifies during the process but I do think you have to have a reason for why you're picking up a paintbrush in the first place and I think that changes with experience and with time for example so when you're in the beginning stages your reason for painting might be you know I like flowers, I want to plate flowers, I don't know how to make them look like flowers. And it's in the process of doing that that you actually discover, I hate painting with acrylic, I really like using watercolour. Or or actually, you know, flowers bore me because they're too static. I want something that has more movement in it. So, and then that gives you the questions, that gives you the thread. So is it that flowers are too static or is there a way that I can paint them that brings some movement and actually brings some life into something that actually is, is still and unmoving? So I think the reason for painting changes as your experience of it shifts 
because it takes you into different directions. But I, I, I've just found that from my experience, if I have no idea, no intention, like paint with zero intention, I can get lost in a little bit of um, a little bit of habit um doing things automatically and some habit is good because habit usually comes from experience something we know about yes it can come from intuition but it can also be a place where we stay safe and we don't move things on and I know that I I get frustrated if I feel like I'm doing something that I've done before and it's a bit routine that's not where I find the satisfaction. So I think having a reason for why you are creating is something that's very helpful to have. And that could be as simple as because it switches my mind off from everything else. Or it could be as simple as because I want to do a series with a particular range of colours because they make me feel good. Or, or it could be I want to portray something that is invisible like wind. How do I do that? You know, See, I find all that is great. Like that was my Ted Hughes approach. So that was like, you know, I want this poem. How do I do that? How, what colors, what? But I think that misses out something, which is the stuff that we don't know with our thinking mind. Yeah, but that comes in the middle. That's what I'm saying. That, that yeah, comes so during you, the process of doing start, it. But if you, if, you, if you don't start until you have the idea, then then you are, I think, limiting yourself to what you already can think of. But what I'm doing now, I couldn't have thought of without starting painting. Does that make sense? You do have, have an idea. You did have once I started. My idea was let's make a video for YouTube on how to get started and make a layer that you're going to cover up. But then it turned into, oh, hang on, I'm interested in this. Like you, I agree with that part, like something clicks. Yes. I just don't think everybody has to start with a concept or, or a reason even. I think you can, I think that your intuition can know better than your mind and that sometimes you're doing something for a reason that you don't understand. So I totally agree with you that there has to be a reason for a painting to exist but sometimes for me and this is where I depart my process is departing now from what David was talking about last week it isn't always I want to express the feeling of say the landscape it's I feel like painting oh look what happened oh I want to follow that now but there are times when I feel like painting just makes nothing so, you know, it doesn't always work that, that this magic spark comes. It's just that I think it can come from that. I don't think it always has to come from thinking. No, no, I don't think it has to come from thinking. I, d- I don't think you have to have a kind of pre-written brief for yourself or concept right. before you begin. But I think you you have to be clear on your intention for it. And w- with the, the work that you were talking about, you, you did. You had a feeling like you wanted to work. You put all of these panels together. There was something that led you to do that rather than pick out a three sheets of paper, for example. There was something in your body that was leading you towards working at that kind of scale 
with the paint in that kind of way. So you were looking for something. And I just think yes. that, that that often where where perhaps what I see people getting stuck and where I've recognized getting stuck in myself is that if you if you there is definitely a place for just start. And when you just start a painting, you're always at a different time and place than whenever you've done one previously. So it's always going to be different. You're never going to recreate it in exactly the same way because that's impossible. So, yes, it's always going to be different. But I think if you don't have, um, I think it can be the frustration can come if you want to make changes, if you want your work to develop. If you if you don't have some idea of what 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 your line of inquiry is a little bit. And like I say, that can be as loose as. You know, what I'm actually looking at is how loosely let's get go back to flowers just because I don't do them. You know, how loosely do I need to represent flowers for these to still feel floral or how do I do flowers without them feeling um, pretty or, you know, what, whatever it is, I think, I think if you've got some kind of, and it doesn't have to be fully formed at the beginning, because then you're just executing. But I think you need to have something that's leading you as you start. Otherwise, all you do is you keep painting in the same way that you always have done. I, so all we're, all we're saying is for us, it's different in terms of when that might come. Yeah. So for me, that came after a morning of painting. Yep. And for you, it might come right before you pick up a paintbrush. I think it comes all the way through. I think it comes. But you, yes, but I'm yeah. saying you wouldn't just want to just begin and then see. But all I'm trying to say to everybody listening is it's okay if it isn't, it's okay if you begin without that idea. But if you never find it, I agree with you. Mm. That's where I see people getting into trouble is they'll say, I'm trying to paint abstracts. That's my favorite one. I'm trying to paint abstracts, but I can't make it work. And as soon as you say, why are you trying to paint an abstract? Mm -hmm. Then they can't answer that question. Exactly. That's my point. Yeah, I know. But I'm not disagreeing with you, Alice. I'm just trying to say, I'm just trying to say for everyone listening, there's two ways. There's find the idea as you go or start with the idea. But we both agree there's no paint without an idea. I mean, I can't say there's no paint without an idea because there's probably some genius person who paints without an idea and makes brilliant things. But for us, for both of us, there's no paint without some reason because I just, like you, I get lost then. And I can I can get really engaged in, you love colour, I can get really engaged in marks and textures and I can get, like, go down a rabbit hole if I don't, have a reason for what I'm doing yeah and then I step back and I've got like brilliant textures but like nothing yeah so so it's that so how do then so if we're both saying you have to have this idea well no let's go back to your work so how how is that I don't have an idea this is what I'm saying I don't I don't think you have to have a concept or an idea I think you have to have something that is leading you into a line of inquiry Okay, so let's yeah. call it that. How yeah. as tell tell us about your work currently and how what that is and for you and what's happening for you. So it's all 
painting for me has always been um, non-figurative based because there I, I always wanted to loosen up. I did a lot of figure drawing, um, a lot of figure drawing and a lot of figure studies as part of, you know, A-level and student work. And I felt that that probably wouldn't give me the space to explore freely. And so I started painting landscapes and realized pretty quickly on. So I think this, this is where, so at the beginning, I would say I was painting a landscape because I didn't want to do anything else. You know, I didn't want to do figures. I didn't want to do still life. It just didn't inspire me. So I was just doing landscapes. And then I realized this is where you have to have this, this point of realizing that that in itself wasn't, uh, wasn't enough. And it's, I think, you know, landscape for me is a, it's, it's a vehicle of what's going on in my head and that where I see the world and how we interact with that. And I think that that comes up so often in um, just the way you move through life. And it's just noticing what you pay attention to. So, you know, I, I photograph such ridiculous, stupid things, and it can be just like a tiny flash of tiny flash of color or rubbish or you know one flower in the patch of a middle of a, of of a like I was out walking the dog the other day and so there was something the way that all the marks of the grasses were going in a certain direction and I took a photograph of it now I'm not going to go and do a photo do a painting of grasses like that in a field but the act of doing that makes me realize that there's something about those marks and things going in the same direction, but also crossing over each other that's satisfying. It's And so a painting for me is about how do we pull together all those ideas to make something that is ultimately satisfying and also something that is new and the loose framework of calling it a landscape because really what I should call it is this is what's going on in my head um <laughs> is that's a good exhibition title I can yeah. see it in a museum Alice Sheridan this is what's going on in my head <laughs> yeah and 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 I think also you know sometimes I have a series of work and sometimes they are more clearly landscape and others they veer off and some of those perhaps are more safety paintings than others and I think I've learned to let them be what they want to become um, mm. along along the line. But I think there is a, I, I was actually noting this down the other day before we were going to talk about this. And I think that this is my stages. This is quite a long list, okay? Interest. And that's where I mean, you've got to have a reason for why you're doing it. Like, why are you interested? What do you want to get out from this? Doesn't matter where you are, whether you're really at beginning stages, what's interesting you about doing this in the first place. And I think if you don't have that, that's where you get a little bit lost. Um, interest, inspiration is the tricky one. And I think that's maybe what we're arguing over. I don't think, I agree with you. Way, I don't I'm think not you arguing, have... I'm just telling well, okay, you why I do it different than okay. you. I'm not but, arguing with you. But, but the idea of inspiration, and I agree with you, I don't think you have to wait to be inspired or have a clear idea to be inspired. I think it can come during the course of painting for definites and I think certainly if you wait for inspiration sometimes you could be waiting for a very long time but I do think you need that trigger if you're going to find something that's unique or special to you or the work that you're creating that's very definitely an important point of the journey um, and then some of the things that David was talking about 
you know, he was talking about landscape being that external trigger that, you know, outside his the space that he was looking at and how he used that in a painting. And then you have this whole stage of gather inquiry, whether you do studies in advance, whether you do small scale paintings in advance or whether it all happens on the surface of the painting. And that that's where it actually becomes very personal, your process and what you find is supportive for you. And I think it's important at that stage not to be led or directed by what you see other people do necessarily because what works for somebody else at that stage of developing an idea or developing the way you work or it might not necessarily be the way that that works for you I mean I use sketchbooks in a very different way they don't specifically lead into paintings whereas I know that you know for some people they love using their sketchbooks you know to plan they like to have an idea before they begin whereas I enjoy that inquiry process happening in the painting itself the mixing pot of it yeah one thing that David said that I've been thinking a lot about because some of my paintings are landscape based and certainly they were until more recently, much more landscape-based. And I've been thinking about that external versus internal motivation and wondering whether it's always necessary for two. I know it's necessary for David's work because his work is about Cornwall and therefore, you know. But um, so with the Ted Hughes paintings, definitely there was an external motivation and then an internal, how I want to respond internally to something that's external. But with my latest paintings, it's much more internal. Mm. It's much more, as you said, what's going on in my head, what's going on in my world. And even though, yes, on some of them, there's a horizon line. And even though I'm using landscape colors, I'm using green, everybody, loads of green, so much green, you can't even think. But even so, they're, they're very abstracted because they're not really about that. They're, they're about how I'm feeling and which is seems very self-centered but then again my favorite artist is Tracy Emin so I am self <laughs> you know that's what I that's what I love art when art's about the artist so it doesn't I don't think you do you always need, well I certainly don't always need the external I need sometimes so my sketchbooks at the moment are very much developing the ideas of moving the paint the way I want or using collage the way I want or building up history the way I want not about going out and sketching fields which I've done in the past I've done sketching fields but that's not what I'm doing now so I think it's possible that your motivation can be only internal yes I think I think it can definitely be only internal um I think I personally find it interesting when the two areas overlap. And so, for example, this, you know, where you get this bright fragment of something on a grey paint on a grey pavement, you know, why do I find that interesting? Like that is appealing to me. It shouldn't be. I've never done a painting of that. But what's interesting in that to me is a it's a moment in a busy busy day or a busy life where you stop where you notice something where you notice something is beautiful alongside the rest of everyday grub 
And I think that art has a really powerful place in that. That that's so just recognizing that and how we experience life, how we experience things in our everyday, that's an important part of why I make art, both for me and hopefully, but you can't take that in terms of how other people appreciate it as well. But it also then comes through in some of the real things that you're when you're starting to think about, well, what does this look like in a painting for me? Um, you know, so there's an emotional element of that. You know, where do I do I want to have an element of calm in amongst busyness? Is that important to me? Yes. And that's often one of the things that I'm managing when I'm managing painting is 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 a feeling of being expressive. But also if it's all expressive, then it's just like a mad, crazy thing. So it's it's how one thing sits next to another. So I just yeah. think it's just so fascinating how these ideas trigger and you just have to let them brew like a, you know, or, you know, really mature like a wine or something and how then you use the material. So when it comes to using something like colour, a lot of it is about reviewing that and editing back so that it is what you want to say about colour and it can come from just this tiny little thing that you see in an everyday but for me it's about how that interacts then with how you feel about life what's important to you to say and actually I don't care if anybody else knows that or not yeah that's not important what's important about it is that it helps me on the journey take a painting from position a to position B and without that kind of thought process around it if I'm not careful and again this is very this is very personal it can end up feeling a little bit pointless like you're just making something for the sake of it I, I feel like that element for me is an important part of creating something that feels feels special and I was just thinking that one of the things that makes it not pointless for me happened during the Ted Hughes project and it's in the book and the whole book is about if anybody doesn't know I have a book about this project that I worked on for two years and you might not know if you're new to the podcast just to give some context but the whole book is about I started this thing with an idea an intellectual idea and then I couldn't make the paintings work and I but the whole process is in the book how how to find the colors that said what I want how to find the textures that said what I wanted to say how to apply the paint in ways that might express what I wanted to express but all the way through I had this question running as well but what is it that I want to express yes I know it's I know it's Ted Hughes's poetry I know it's the landscape I know it's Um, I know it's the way the landscape feels I know it's the beauty of his words but there's something else and I couldn't get to the bottom of it without painting my way there yeah and that was what was interesting about that project was it it really at some point you know I was quite you know depressed that okay I can't get these paintings to work and I loved that it was the last painting it was literally the last painting I did when it all came together in my mind. And that project gave me the trust in my own process to know that I'm doing all this for a reason. I hope it won't take me two years every time to figure mm-hmm. out what it is. But that was a big ask, that project. So I'll give myself two years. But that 
that I learned this is what is so wonderful about painting for me besides making paintings to sell I learn things about myself through the act of doing it yeah and I get things out of myself through the act of doing it and I just want to tell you about this experience I had this week which was such a surprise to me we have an assignment in my course called painting a feeling and it can be any feeling it can be the feeling of being in a field of butterflies it can be the feeling of extreme grief it can be any feeling you want but I was having a really hard time we've had some bad news lately in a few areas of life and I just didn't want to paint I just felt so beaten down I just couldn't face painting so I decided I'm going to film a demo on painting a bad feeling I'm going to do it for the course. I'll show people how it feels to let go. And I put some big sheets of paper pinned to a corkboard. And I just went to town with black and white, mostly black, because that's how I felt. Scrawling my feelings with pencil. It was ugly. It was just an ugly big mess of black paint and woody and charcoal. And And so anyway, I did the demo. And then I went in to edit the film at lunchtime. And as I noticed, as it was going through, I started to add white in places and I started to, it was totally just me, you know, blotting it out, but I started to put white lines and bits of light and the painting transformed into something lighter by the end of the session. And as I, and I thought, how am I feeling? Oh, I feel so much better. And that afternoon I went back in and looked at it and I was like, oh, I'm going to put some color on here. I'm going to add some color to it now. I felt like a different person. I put music on, I danced, I put color on my painting. I didn't care if it looked good or not. And that was the power of, that's a different kind of process. That's like art therapy. But it was quite amazing to see it play out in front of me just because I'd filmed it that I didn't even realize until the end how much better I felt. So I can just highly recommend that everybody. If you're having a day where you feel awful, and you don't feel like painting, really just doing that. I think it's that thing. I'm getting a bit psychological now, but it's that thing of feel your feelings so they can pass through you. That that actually let them out. And then I was better. And also it's that thing of, you know, you do get absorbed physically in the process. And it is a way then of meditation in terms of quieting all the other things that are going on in yes. your mind. And I think that that's important, too. So, you know, even though you have this and there are all these different stages and then, you know, for me, there's, this, you know, review and editing stage. And it changes like the pace, the feeling of a painting for me and it, it it changes all the way through it so at the moment the ones that I'm working on they started with these you know quite almost sugary colors for me that was feeling like a little bit of a celebration I just wanted them to feel that way and now there is a kind of softening there is a softening and a refining and physically I work on them differently I'm, I'm and I'm getting into much more kind of subtle changes where the paint and really controlling, even though it's wet and fluid, really trying to control it in areas where I want it to be. And there's very much a kind of calming down and it would be fascinating, wouldn't it, to actually monitor your heart rate, perhaps at different stages in a painting. And I, it's when you get that kind of feedback from it, it's, you know, it's it, and it is an important part of the painting. I was looking at something yesterday. I was looking at a Franz Klein painting, 
that's mainly white and it's just got this black it's a landscape format a big black streak with a kind of triangular apex in the middle and I thought one day I'm I'm going to be and I nearly did an Instagram post and said one day I'm going to be brave enough to do a painting like this and I didn't do it because I actually thought I'm not sure it's about being brave because I could be brave enough to do that. I could do that tomorrow if I, I know if I yeah. wanted to. And, you know, I know enough about placement and movement to, to get it feeling good. But for me, that as an end result wouldn't be satisfying because I wouldn't have gone through this whole process of inquiry, reflection, what's the meaning, editing it that that's that's the process for me that leads it to a satisfying end result and perhaps next time my inquiry will be you know do it my challenge is do 10 paintings that are as simple as you like that maybe you do in one shot because the thing about his simple black mark is of course that was the result of inquiry and reflection for him yeah but it wouldn't be for us if we were to just do that. But if you, yes, if you have your own question. So I think that's a good point as well. That that artist is like when people say, oh, Franz Klein just paints black marks or Jackson Pollock just flings paint around. Well, yeah, but there was a whole process that led up to that yeah. and thought that led up to that. But if I go drip paint on a canvas, I haven't gone through any of that. I'm just thinking, oh, I want to do like Jackson Pollock did. And yeah. that isn't, and yeah. it's I sometimes struggle to explain to new painters why one's art and one isn't yeah, but yeah. because one went through that process and it's their individual inquiry, as you would call it, whereas mine would just be, I'm doing what he did. And I think that there is something perhaps also important in here, maybe before we wrap up, which is this idea of the rules that we set for ourselves and that maybe each, each, painting or group of paintings you do I think it's also helpful to have maybe a belief that you have or a challenge about the way painting should be that you are trying to either prove or disprove for yourself so you know mine currently is is a painting is a painting easier is it a cop-out if you pre-mix colors in advance does that actually help you because what it allows you to do is maybe investigate more into other areas. So, you know, may, maybe before I was a little bit prejudgy about people who mix colours in advance, but it was also something that I was noticing in my work that, you know, where you'd done these beautifully expressive marks, you know, actually I really wanted them to be in colours that I like. <laughs> I really wanted right. them to be in colours that I liked. But I wouldn't say it sped up the process. I think I was maybe thinking it would be something that would make the paintings happen a little bit quicker if I had less colour issues to resolve. And I don't think it's necessarily done, necessarily done that, but I think it has allowed them to feel a little bit more unified. And I think because there is something that hangs together a little bit more in the colours, that's allowed me to explore some of these other areas of mark making and working with wet and dry paint together. Yeah. That comes together. So, but, but that's the challenge. That's the challenge. So that was that sort of open-ended inquiry, I suppose, that I was starting with, with these and, you know, some are more abstract and some are, some are more landscape again. That, that's, that's my hook, but landscape for me is a very, it's a, it's an invisible place in my head. 
And I think my, so on that note, my uh, challenge or belief about painting that I'm working on is how raw can I, can it be? Mm -hmm. Because I love raw paintings that other people do, but I tend to smooth mine over. Yeah. So how raw can it be? And I can be comfortable saying that's it. I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a very difficult thing to recognize in your own work, because I think there's, there's a number of reasons why I think when somebody else does it, you haven't seen them do it necessarily. You, you, you don't have all of those hangups about how long it took or how quick it was or yeah. <laughs> any, of, any of that kind of thing. And so you can appreciate it for the for end result of what it is. Whereas I think when you do something like that yourself, um, it can be hard to step back and recognize it, which is why building in some element of time, step away from the canvas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yep, definitely. So, yeah, I mean, it goes around in circles, doesn't it? And this this is this is the point of making art, really, I think, is working out where it is for you. Um, you know, so someone said this is a brilliant quote and I can't remember who it was. Artists invent problems that no one else cares about and then spend our life trying to solve them. <laughs> so that's basically what we're talking about, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And, and if you're lucky, then other people recognize it, too. Um, along the way like the result yeah of what you're doing maybe yeah yeah okay then so other than art wise and beautiful fluid paint and scratchy marks and large canvases and small individual personal little fabulous intimate details what has inspired you this week well, it's a bit weird. I'm going to say football. It was I'm going good, to say English it? football. Oh, England, you are so lovely. Uh, <laughs> so last night, um, so by the time you listen to this podcast, all our hopes have probably been dashed. Don't say that. Just at this moment. Well, I don't have the power. I don't think of what happens. But just at this moment, I'm feeling very happy because yesterday England won the semi-final of the Euro, whatever it is that we're even in. I don't even know. Um, and it was such good fun to watch. And there's two things about it that inspire me. The first is I'm just amazed at what that manager has done with our football team because yeah. they have been a joke for my entire lifetime. They won the World Cup when I was three. And after that, it all went downhill. And he has just turned them not only into a really good team, but really nice team that is really well behaved and like just just a lovely bunch of people, it seems. So, but what actually the reason I brought it up on our podcast is it comes down to process. I was thinking when I was watching the game, it was very tense. And every time England get the ball and they start moving down the field and then they shoot and they miss the goal and then the other team brings the ball and, oh, we regroup and we start again. And I thought I'm teaching a course where some people have given up um, very early on in that course. A few people always give up oh, I've tried this and I can't do it. I, I, this is not for me. And you watch a sp any sporting game, but particularly, I think, soccer, you watch how they keep pushing down the field and most of the time it doesn't work. Most mm. of the time what they do is a failure and then they have to come back and regroup and start again. And then 
And it's just, I kept thinking, this is just like painting. You have to keep trying and eventually you score a goal if you keep trying for long enough. And so anyway, that was my, yeah, I just thought this is the same. Imagine if England had said after five minutes up, I can't do this. This is ridiculous. We've, we've tried twice now and we haven't scored a goal, which is what people do when they try and make abstract paintings. Oh, I've done it twice and they didn't work out. (laughs) No surprise there, is there? Because you've only done it twice. No, everything, everything. And it just, and and also it takes that, you know, working with other people. And I I agree with you about him as a manager. And I I said to Paul last night, I said, you know, what's really nice about this is that, you know, he has got England to the top of their game while still clearly being a really nice bloke who has worked on everybody supporting each other. You know, there's no kind of alpha male pushiness in it. And yet, and yet, there clearly has to be that hunger, that desire, that want to do it, that keeps you pushing through all those knockbacks. Yeah. You know, and sometimes it does go backwards. Like my dad was watching with us and he was like, don't kick it backwards. The goal's that way. Kick it. I know. It's, it's, like, it's like, yeah, but, you know, sometimes you need to pull back and then you go forward again. And you've just got to. Well, we've said this before, you've got just got to trust. And, you know, maybe for some of the people in your course, maybe it's fine. It's not their thing. Maybe their thing is gardening or singing in a choir or something else. And you go, actually, do you know what? This isn't for me. This isn't what I want. But when it is what you want, when it is something that's important to you, it's just so helpful to have other people around you going, come on. And and I must say quickly for the people on the course listening, I wasn't talking about most of you because most of you didn't give up and most of you are doing amazing work. It was just a few people always give up at that point. But did you also know that Gareth Southgate, the manager of England, lives not far from me? There you go. You can bump into him down the pub. And he's not even from Yorkshire. People don't come. He he lives in a £3.75 million mansion on the edge of a reservoir um not far from here where I've never walked Riley because it's too far for him to go around but my mum said oh I love that house I didn't know he owned that house she's always looked at it it's like a 1600s beautiful anyway that's where he lives oh there you go so yeah, we can go now. stalk him I can go stalk him if I want <laughs> yeah no I agree it was really good fun um so my inspiration what was really a lot of the things that I spoke about that's kind of fired me up this week. So um, and just this whole idea of refilling your cup. So that's that's my little challenge to everybody, if you like, is um, what you're going to do this week that's going to make you feel good. Was that a song? I don't know. Oh, you almost sang really, it though. Really dodgy 1980s song, isn't it? <laughs> what you gonna do? Anyway, yeah. What is that for you? What does it look like? What What have you missed? How can you do that again? What have you not done for a long time that you've forgotten feels good? Do a bit of that. There we go. That's mine. That's your instruction, everybody. Yeah. Come and let me know. Cooking. Sometimes cooking does it for me. Sometimes cooking is absolutely the last thing that I'm interested yeah, cooking in. Cooking doesn't really do it for me. I wish it did. I got an Otto, whatever his name is, book after David David Mankin last week sent yeah. me a recommendation of a vegetarian. What's his name again? Otto Lenge. Lenge. Yeah. He sent me a vegetarian. So I got the book and I was going through it and I was like, oh, 
that's a lot of work. Oh, that sounds like a lot of work. I, I'm going to have a go, but really cooking, I don't think is my thing. He, he might make you fall in love with cauliflower. Do you like cauliflower? It's all right. Yeah, he sent me a cauliflower. David sent me a specific cauliflower salad that he wants me to try. But it's a lot of work for a salad. And yeah, that, but- this is the thing. Then you eat it and you're done. It's like, oh, <laughs> that, that was, it's gone. Whereas if I make a painted, I can keep it on my wall. Just before we end, quick plug for my book. If you would like a signed copy of my book, you can go to louisefletcherart.com slash book and you'll find all the details and some preview pages and a little video about the book there. And you can buy a copy if you would like one. Lovely. So that wraps it up from us this week. I hope you're having a lovely creative week ahead of you, whatever you're doing. It's fun to see always on Instagram. So do give us a tag. I'm at Alice Sheridan Studio and Louise is at Louise Fletcher underscore art. And we will see you again next week. Bye bye. Bye. I think Sorry. Alice has had too much coffee, everybody. But, just keep no, close the window. I've got builders at the front of the house and builders in another neighbour at the back of the house. So I've shut one set of windows, shut the door, so I'll just sit and stifle here, yeah. <laughs> Good spice roast cauliflower is a revelation. Is it? Yeah. I shall, I shall, I, I must have a go, but yeah. Anyway, we've got off track, haven't we? This is... <laughs>